everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We might be 68 days away from TCU kicking off at Cal. Fingers crossed, prayers lifted. But we still got a lot of stuff going on. This is a busy offseason, in spite of the fact there was no fall ball in spite, and spring ball, in spite of the fact that uh, official visits on campus are not rolling. We've got a lot of things to talk about, so we're going to get into potential transfers, recent commutes, guys with injuries that are kind of hanging up the cleats, and we understand why. We'll get into that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. As always, we have Daniel Southern and Jeremy Clark with us. Men, you doing well tonight? Me, I'm doing. I'm I'm doing fine. I'm I'm feeling good. Daniel, you said you thought you got run over by a Mack truck yesterday. Yeah, a heavy one with a full trailer. <laughs> okay. Parker County Con. Do what? The con that you only see in Parker County. Yeah, definitely. The kind that you only see in Parker County. I like that. Well, let's uh, let's be efficient and let's get straight to the point. Uh, Jeremy, we've got two potential transfers. There is a lot of energy around this, as they say. Um, there's uh, interest and in, in, uh, interest in academics and graduates, uh, graduation floating around and when a guy's going to wrap up at one place and when he can start at another. Uh, Frog fans are excited on Twitter, on message boards. Tell us a little bit about these two young men that could be coming to TCU in the interest of them. Let's go ahead and start with uh, Spielman, young man from Nebraska, obviously has some some blue blood in him from the NFL. Tell us a little bit about J.D. Spielman. I was about to ask which one you want to talk about because it's two very good ones. But Spielman's kind of crazy because it. What's what's the running joke you and I have, Jeff, about transfers? Because every time there's a transfer, how long does it take before I get asked a question? Oh, about 90 seconds. We want everybody to have, uh, we want you to have an answer within 90 seconds. Yes. Is TCU interested? And he was one of those players where when I first looked at it, everyone, if you go to the Nebraska site, which is a, a great privilege you have as 24 seven sports members, you can go to other team sites and see all their message boards. And one thing you, you, we all did was went to Nebraska site and immediately you saw Spillman's he's, he's not even at Nebraska, uh, even before everything hit with COVID-19, he was already leaving the program. And every Nebraska fan pretty much saw the writing on the wall. Not only is he leaving Nebraska, but he's going to Minnesota, where he's from. And I guess it was about a four you know, four or five days later where Minnesota was kind of saying, well, well, listen, this isn't a done deal to Minnesota. And it kind of opened the door for other teams. And, and TCU was one of those teams that reached out from the very beginning uh, once he put his name in the transfer portal, uh, I didn't know the kind of interest level. Hey, I knew TCU locked him, but was there mutual interest from his end? And and basically about a week after he put his name in the portal, I understood that not only does TCU have an interest, but Spielman has an interest in them as well. Uh, there is connections, and I've mentioned this on the board. Uh, Jerry Kill knows the family. Uh, and the one interesting uh, tidbit I've passed along on the message board as well that either you guys haven't seen or maybe you're hearing this for the first time, but they uh, TCU actually developed a pretty good relationship with JD's dad, who is Rick Spillman, the general manager of Minnesota Vikings. And they developed that relationship basically because they were talking back and forth about Jeff Gladney and who did Minnesota pick in the first round, Jeff Gladney. So Spillman understands that TCU does a great job of developing players. They, they, 
he he can go straight to Jeff Gladney and say, "Hey, how is uh, how are these coaches down there? How did they treat you?" and and give that that true player perspective that JD's probably looking for. Uh, as far as where he sits right now, I know there's a lot of speculation uh, on the board right now. When is it going to be uh, decided? Is is it is it a done deal? I can tell you right now, there's there's not any kind of done deal. Does TCU look very good? Yes, absolutely, they look very good. And in fact, I was kind of hinted at that I should probably get a story ready um, pretty soon. I I don't have a timeline yet. He's still waiting on the NCAA. The NCAA is going to play a huge factor in this. Uh, are they going to Are they going to uh, make them sit a year? Or are they going to give them a waiver? Uh, from what I understand, Nebraska is working pretty well and uh, and trying to help him get the waiver. But it it all comes down to the NCAA. We have to wait on them. And and uh, but right now, all sides are pointing toward TCU. And man, what a great pickup that would be for that offense. And we're sitting here. Back in January, trying to figure out what the offense identity is going to look at, look like, and who's going to be the receiver coming back that's going to have to replace Jalen Rager, and you're sitting here looking at a roster that has Tay Barber coming back. You've got Tavalence Hunt, that's a good outside receiver, and a lot of those 2020 signees like Quentin Johnson, Savion Williams, that are going to come in and add height and athleticism. But then you can add a guy like J.D. Spillman, who has been battle tested. I think currently he's the third best uh, receiver in Nebraska history. He's got almost 2,500 receiving yards and he's, he's got stats galore. So if they can land him, man, it's going to be so many possibilities that they can work with, not only with Tay, but they can get JD involved and hit some of those guys that have uh, a little bit more size on the outside. And like I've told you always, Jeff, it starts up front you would be happy to see some of these transfer linemen uh, landed at TCU uh, in addition to TJ Stormont. But I'm telling you, the offense has the makings to look really good if they can land JD. Yeah, I think he'll be a great complement to the offense. Uh, in some ways, it's going to be a little bit of money ball at wide receiver. You know, you're not going to replace Jalen Rager, but you can't replace his yards. You can replace his touchdowns. It just won't be a one-for-one. And so if you kind of have that ability to have multiple threats on the field, that's going to help the whole offense out. That's going to help Max out. And uh, and, and in some ways, you hope it it gives the offensive line a chance to know, I don't have to protect him for seven seconds, but if I can give him three seconds, we can get the ball down the field, whether it is to Spielman or whether it is to to Tay Barber or Hunt or Pro Wells, who you mentioned today is going to be lining up on the outside some this season. Uh, there's going to be a lot of options if we can just stay healthy and maybe if we can just land this guy. So it's not a done deal, but things are looking positive is is what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, very positive. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, flip to the other side of the ball here. Marcel Brooks, five-star defenseman. Plays linebacker, can play a little bit in the secondary. I wouldn't mind seeing him line up at a rush in when it's third and 17. Uh, he was uh, he was at a flower mound, five-star. He had a real interest in TCU, and TCU had a serious interest in him. I know that Colt, Coach Patterson really cultivated that relationship with him through the recruitment. He ends up going to LSU. He ends up winning a national championship at LSU. Nothing wrong with that. But he is now in the transfer portal, and he wants to come back close to home. If only there was a Big 12 BCS or Power 5 team in DFW 
with a coach that had a, a, a knack for putting defenders into the first round on this last draft and putting guys into the NFL, it would be a logical landing spot for him to be at TCU. Tell us a little bit about Brooks, what's unfolding on that. You've referenced a little bit about some overlapping timelines, but uh, walk us inside his recruit, his re-recruitment right now at TCU. Well, I don't know what you were doing on Friday night about 6.45, but I was sitting down eating, and, and I got a call from Shay Dixon, who does a really incredible job covering our LSU site. And he kind of gave me a heads up because he had he had done the story with Marcel – entering his entering his name into the transfer portal but he also told me that what he's hearing is that uh he wants to be close to home and tcu's the team he heard i think shay was the first one to even mention that marcel wanted to go back close to home this is big guys i mean it's it's one of those recruits that man he got away but now he gets a chance to come and and, and play because marcel whether people believe it or not he he really, really likes TCU. Uh, there was times where I interviewed Marcel where he had TCU in his top three. I can I can send you a screenshot, Jeff, and I'll just do this for you. And I might send it to Daniel too. But I don't know how many listeners will believe this, but this is this is the very first message message I got from Marcel Brooks on Twitter, May eighteenth, two thousand seventeen, at twelve fifty two. PM. Hey, my name is Marcel Brooks. I wanted to know if you can help me get close with TCU. He just knew I covered TCU. Now I can't do that. I can't do anything as far as uh, telling those coaches about that, but I did a story with them. And a lot of you guys will probably remember that story involved TCU being his dream, dream school. And, and that was one of those, uh, those stories where I'm sitting there talking to that kid. And at the time he wasn't a five-star, but Everyone kind of knew what Marcel Brooks was going to be. He was he was a, a really incredibly talented kid that could play offense, that could play defense, and it was it was really crazy to to understand that TCU was one of his top schools. And I even interviewed him at a uh, Prime Twenty One camp, and again, in a circle of uh, guys that were talking to him, he mentioned again TCU was a top school for him. LSU got involved and. He committed to LSU, but even late in the process, Gary Patterson, he's taken the the frog copter. They don't really have a frog copter. He's just taken a helicopter out there to the Flyer Mount Marcus game to see Marcel Brooks. And, and that's what I was talking about on the board. Like Gary Patterson has a great relationship with Marcel, and Marcel has visited TCU. He's been to their camps, and he's got a good relationship with those coaches, and it, it's close to home. The, the timeline right now that we're looking at, it's it, I've been told nothing's going to happen this week. Don't don't expect anything to happen this week. I, I understand that LSU still has their summer session going, and I believe it's supposed to end on July 8th or July 9th. So I would tell you guys, if, if something does come down, maybe the, the middle toward the latter part of next week. But again – Still a lot of moving parts in it. Do I feel extremely good? Yes. I, as I mentioned on the board, I don't feel good. I, I, I feel, and all you guys know what that means. And it's it's one of those stories that's probably going to drive you guys nuts over the next week and a half, or next week at least, um, wanting to get answers. But I can just tell you right now, I'll give you, I'll give you a heads up. I'll give you the blueprint. I'll give you the roadmap. However you want to describe it, I'm, I'm just trying to let you guys know 
let you guys down as easy as I can that it's it's not going to happen this week unless something dramatically changes. But the people I talked with, I trust 100%. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. And if they're wrong, it, it, it's it's for great reasons for TCU fans because obviously Marcel's uh, going to be uh, making his announcement sooner. But as far as other schools are involved, I know uh, some people have mentioned Baylor as being a possible place to look at because of Randa. Uh, I, me personally, I haven't heard anything about Baylor. That's not knocking Baylor. I'm not talking bad about you Bear fans. I'm just saying I haven't personally heard anything about Baylor. Oklahoma is another school that I've seen out there. Again, I haven't heard any peep about Oklahoma. If Marcel wants to go closer to home, from where he's at in Flyer Mound, that's stu- still two and a half hours away, two hours away. So close to home means close close to home. So you're wanting to be within a 40-minute a, a proximity, 30-minute proximity, and that's what he would be. And, and I'm thinking that his family actually lives in Fort Worth again. Uh, and, and that's He originally would, played at Fort Worth Nolan Catholic. He was in Fort Worth, and the family moved to Flyer Mound, but I'm getting long-winded here, but just just understand that it's it's not done, but it looks really, really good that TCU can get him. It's not done, but it looks really, really good. I like the sound of that. If I had a crystal ball pick for Marcel, I would put it in for TCU. All right. I'm going to quote you on that one. That's a great one. That's a great one. All right, let's talk about guys that have committed. Um, Since our last podcast, we've had two offensive linemen commit to TCU, back-to-back days, if I remember correctly. And what's unique about this is both of them have TCU connections in their own unique way. So let's uh, let's walk us through that. we got Jacoby Jackson and Noah uh, Boltcroft. Um, Boltcroft. <laughs> Boltcroft. I've got my own scribbles here, man. I've, I've, yeah. Don't get me started. I've got I, I've I've followed it for months, but I'm I'm terrible with pronunciations. If you ever watch me do a wedding, you can be you can you can know that because oh, I struggle with people's names that I don't know very well. All right, I mean, you, you called me Germany for at least the first two years. I knew you. I know, and just like World War II, it was not over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. Um, walk us through these two commitments for the offensive line. I'm looking forward. It's good to get some size and some talent up front where it really matters. Which one you want to talk first? Let's start with Noah. You want to go Noah first. Okay. Well, the funny story about both of these guys is Jacoby committed on that Friday. I believe it was Friday. Yeah, he committed on that Friday. And then Noah committed not too long after. They both committed on the same day, but Noah just held off his announcement until Saturday, I think, because he's – he was waiting on the edits and all these kids like to get their edits now when they make the announcements. And I think, I think they're called sick edits. Yeah. Sick edits. Yeah. That's what there are. But I honestly just think too, he probably wanted Jacoby to have his time in the spotlight a little bit, but Noah, it's funny because I got a call several months ago from Kevin Flaherty. He's one of our, uh, national guys covers Kansas and, and he calls me and says, man, there is a kid up here that I think TCU would really, really like. And I'm like, really, who is it? And he tells me it's Noah. And he goes, listen, he's committed to Kansas state right now, but I'm just telling you right now, if TCU comes into the picture, I think they have a legit shot to get him." And I'm like, really? I mean, a, a Kansas kid committed to Kansas state. Uh, uh, I, I don't know about that. So 
I guess about a month after that conversation, TCU decides to offer. They offer April 29th, I believe, is what the day was. And so I immediately, being being a Rose Hill kid, I immediately re- reached out to uh, Blaze Foltz, former Frog, uh, big time offensive lineman. Everyone knows knows who Blaze is, and part of the Rose Bowl teams and uh, Rose Bowl team. I'm sorry, uh, but I, I contact Blaze and. Blaze is like, yeah, it's about time. I've been, I've been trying to uh, tell these guys about this, about this kid forever, and, and he really likes TCU. Trust me, it's only a matter of time. I'm like, oh, really? It's, it's really like it. He goes, oh yeah. He goes, it's just a matter of time. And then surely, you know, just about two weeks later, Noah decides to decommit from Kansas State, and immediately people were pegging TCU before he even. I, I can't remember the timeline. I'd have to go back and look. But I think that I talked to him. I'm going to get myself confused here. But I know when I talked to him, either he had just decommitted from Kansas State or he was about to because he was already telling me TCU was his top school. The thing that kind of delayed this thing, everyone kept asking me, when's the next commit? Who's going to commit next? And I kept predicting Noah because Noah was – I think originally going to try to commit in June because he had hopes that the whole COVID-19 situation would blow over and he can come back down to campus and visit with the coaches and everything and, and really commit in person. That's the way he wanted to do it. And with everything getting extended and kids not being able to visit campus, he wasn't allowed to do that. And, and sure enough, Jacoby commits. And so there's only so many offensive line spots on, 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 on the class. So, Basically, you see a guy like Jacoby committing, and you better you better get your stuff taken care of too. So I think that's another reason why Noah committed. But it was uh, it was a long time coming. It it was one of those basically offer April 29th, and he was going to be a frog back then. I don't think anyone. I mean, the only person that probably knew it more than anyone was was Blaze is Blaze because it was the story that I did. If you look at that picture. And it has Noah Botikoff in a TCU shirt with family on it. Blaze sent me that back before uh, he even decommitted from Kansas State. So oh, that, should, wow. that, that should uh, that should let you know kind of how that recruitment went down. Well, that's some good inside information you're not going to find anywhere else. All right, let's flip over to the other commit. He's a legacy. We don't always do a great job with uh, you know players whose dads played here, but uh, Jacoby Jackson, his dad had played here even before the Fran era, if I remember right. Great offensive lineman. I think his rating's a little low when you look at his offer sheet. Tell yeah. us a little bit about Jackson, where the frogs kind of project, you know, him, and then let's let's talk about where these both both these guys are going to end at end up at on the offensive line. But let's start with Jackson and his backstory of his commitment and his family connection. Jacoby was a – it was funny because he was one of those kids where I thought as soon as TCU offered, he was going to commit on the spot. And he proved me and everyone else wrong because after TCU offered, he just kept getting offers and getting offers and getting offers. He, he ended up getting close to 40 offers. And it was crazy because when I talked to him, he was, he was very much – uh, in love with TCU, told me it was his dream school. And usually sometimes when you hear that phrase dream school, it ends up backfiring pretty bad. But it it was really his dream school. His dad, Cedric, played at TCU in the late, early, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And he would always go to the games. And I think Cedric even posted something on the uh, TCU Facebook page, the, the fan page, uh, with uh, Jacoby 
as an 11 year old who looked about 15 at the time standing next to big V. And, uh, it, it, it was, it was funny because when you talk to Jacoby, he really talked good about TCU, but he also talked good about all the other schools that were recruiting him. He never really wanted to tip his hand on where he was leaning. And I, I really thought for a minute when I put the crystal ball in, I was kind of glad that they started this, uh, the confidence level on our crystal balls because I could at least pick TCU, but I could just kind of remain uh, in the middle for uh, for where I thought he was going to end up. And and I really thought that Texas Tech had a great shot at him. Baylor had a great shot. They had just gotten his teammate, Hal Presley, the, the good-looking receiver out of Summit as well. But in the end, you – you finally get one of those kids that that is a, a legacy player. He's going to stay close to home. Family was big for him, and that's that's a huge get. I, I like his ability. He's he's got great size. He's six six, three twenty. If he can't play tackle, he's one of those kids where he can move inside. And you're going to see more of that. You're going to see some players that are going to be the more versatile players that that can play either guard or tackle. With Noah. He, he's the same way. We we initially had him as 24-7 sports. We initially had Noah ranked as a tackle. But when you look at his frame and everything else, he could also transition into a guard. When we made that move from uh, from tackle to guard, he moved up like 22 spots in our ranking. So it, it looks better for him to be ranked as a guard. But I've talked to people around and asked just where Noah could, could fit in best. And they said, hey – he can definitely play tackle. He could definitely play tackle. He's got that build right now. He's almost 6'6". He's right at 275. He's he's. If you see videos of him, he is a – I don't know how to say this and, and not make it sound like a joke, but he's a slender 275. He's not He's not fat by any means. Same. I am too. I'm a slender 275. 5'9". I can promise you I'm not a slender 215 right now. Um, but – I mean, he's he's an athletic-looking kid, and he works out with Blaze all the time. And if you've seen pictures of Blaze lately, I mean, the dude looks like he could bench press 600 pounds. I mean, he's got a barrel chest. So he's working out with him and and, and, and learning under him. He Blaze knows exactly uh, what TCU wants out of an offensive lineman. And like I said earlier, Blaze has given Noah the blueprints of what they're looking for. Hey, man, this is exactly what they want out of an offensive lineman. I know Jared Anderson. I know what he wants, and here you go. Here's here's what we're going to work on the next year before you arrive on campus. But yeah, two two good gets by them. I was I was really happy to see them finally get on the board with some offensive tackles, and and they really got two good ones early on. They're still on the hunt for Savion Bird. I will drop that little little nugget. They're still. Uh, I, I've talked to some people where the the relationship with Fitch keeps getting better and better. And I, I firmly believe once Savion drops his list even further, maybe until like a top five, top six, whatever he does, I still think TCU is going to be in the running for him. That's good news. Good to see us getting some uh, talented players up front that going to have the capacity to get bigger and stronger and uh, develop at TCU. All right, last third of our show here. we got about six, seven minutes here. Let's wrap this up. We've had two, prog- uh, two players that have left the program due to medical issues and injuries. 
Uh, a lot of us kind of saw this coming. You dropped a lot of hints on it on our message board. If you uh, were surprised by these and you were on our board, you weren't paying attention or you weren't reading it. Let's start with uh, offensive line. We'll transition from offensive linemen we got to offensive linemen that we're kind of uh, letting go of. Ian Burnett, big guy. Clearly had some medical issues. It looks like he is leaving the program. Can you fill us in on that? Yeah, he's he's taking a medical. He's going to remain a student at TCU. Uh, man, it just just bad luck, man. There's some bad luck out of that 2018 class when it comes to injuries. I mean, you, you had Justin and Ian. Unfortunately for him, as soon as he got on campus, he was hurt. And then he was hurt again last year. And, and what I like about Ian, he's a team player. He was always out there on the field before the games trying to get his get his offensive lineman pumped up and everything but it it is one of those uh players where I'm not I'm not trying to talk bad about Ian but he was likely going to be third or fourth on the depth chart at, at guard uh, and, and the the biggest reason for the that is just because he was never fully healthy he wasn't going to be able to compete and he knew that he knew that he he knew it was time to focus more as a student focus on his passions and uh, and, and really just decide to hang up the cleats. Uh, I don't fault him for it at all. I don't, I don't know exactly what injuries that he had that he just couldn't overcome, but I was, I was told on multiple occasions that he was going to be gone. And, and I started hinting about Ian a while back too, um, that he was gone, but he, he was officially off the roster today that, uh, someone had noticed, uh, and, and posted on the board. So, yeah, I felt like it was time to go ahead and, and and drop his name that he was the other guy that was taking a medical. Second guy that's taking a medical, you had a big article on this and broke this news. Matthew Baldwin, the transfer kid out of Austin, went to Ohio State, transferred out of Ohio State when Justin Fields uh, landed there. He came to TCU, had actually got a waiver last year and would have been able to play, but just had reoccurring health issues. Now, when you when you laid out you're calling it uh, calling my shot. What the depth chart is at quarterback? You did not have Matthew Baldwin as number two on the depth chart, and that caught a lot of people's eyes. It looks like this may have been in the works for a while. Matthew Baldwin leaving the program because of injuries. Yeah, I had uh, when I did that story, I knew exactly what I was doing. I I put him at fourth just for the simple reason because even back then, even before I did that story, I was being told that there was still so much undecisiveness with what he was going to do because there was talks that he was going to try to come back and there was talks that he was going to hang him up and I think I even mentioned that there was there was more concern genuine concern that he was that he was going to hang him up uh luckily they still have Duggan on the roster they still have Matthew Downing Stefan Brown's a good Juco kid uh and and basically I know a lot of people are going to ask this question too uh, are they going to try to go out and find a grad transfer or anything else Juco guy uh immediately and from what I've been told they are not going to do that so you're you're going to have basically four quarterbacks with one of them being a true freshman uh you you'll have some other walk-ons uh but as far as scholarship players go and and, and to answer everyone's question Downing is on scholarship. Uh, he he officially went on scholarship, I believe, in January. So, but Baldwin, it, it, man, you feel for it. <laughs> 2018 kid. What was I saying? 2018 kid. He was he was obviously hurt in high school. Everyone remembers that he hurt his knee and uh, was was kind of a raw deal. But he still he still got a ton of attention, including Ohio State. And and I don't know if. I know I've posted this on the board a couple of times, but some people 
uh, might have missed it, but even when Justin Rogers was hurt, they TCU went after Matthew Baldwin, and they they offered him, but there was never really a big story about it because they were trying to keep it so quiet, just because they didn't want to upset Justin into thinking they were they were trying to get someone better than him. They they had to cover themselves because there was so much uncertainty with how healthy Justin was going to be. And even back then people started noticing how bad that injury was with Justin. So they, they kind of had to prepare themselves, but Baldwin, he's a great kid. He, he comes from a good family. When I reached out to him the other day, when I heard the news was final, I reached out and told him, listen, I, I want to do the right thing. I don't want to, this is, if, if it was you leaving the program or something like this, but if you're hanging up your cleats, I would rather you announce something like that and give you your moment. And he basically said, and his mom said the same thing. It's like, you know, he's such a, a humble and quiet kid. He's probably not going to do anything. And, and Matthew replied to me and said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. You can go ahead and, run it and everything else. And he said, man, I'm just so appreciative of how TCU was and I'm going to support him. Whatever I put in my story. And and his mom was the same way. Uh, she talked volumes, just spoke volumes about, you know, how good TCU treated them and, and Matthew. And um, obviously it's, it's a tough, it's a tough go when you're playing football your whole life and you've got to hang them up. And, and a lot of people still felt that, that Matthew was kind of in his prime and, just reoccurring knee issues. And it was the back issue. It's the back issue that just kept bugging him to where he couldn't, he couldn't throw consistently. And the injury was and the injury and the pain was just so much to overcome, but you wish nothing but the best. He's still going to be a student. And uh, he said, he's still going to support TCU fully. So uh, we'll hopefully see him around the stadium sometime this year. Yeah, that would be great. You hate hearing about guys uh, wrapping up their football career because of injury, but Everybody hangs their cleats up at some point, and uh, I just I wish those two guys the best because I know they supported the program a lot. Well, that is a hard hitting episode of the Frogcast in just thirty minutes. We got two commits, we got two speculations of transfers, and we had two guys that are um, in in their football career because of injuries. When or if any of this news breaks, you can trust that uh, Horn Frog Blitz will be right on top of that. TCU 24-7. If you haven't joined our site yet, what in the world are you waiting on? You're going to need to join this site because we have all the latest information and tea leaves about what's going on inside and outside of the program. Also, we want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to subscribe to the Frogcast. Give us a rating and a review. We'd love for you to help Frog fans find more about find out more about us. And somehow when you rate us and review us, it moves us up the, the, the search chart. We'd love for you to go ahead and do that. So until we have our next podcast, where we could be talking about some good news, until then, for Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.